Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. McMaster University uh, is creating and leading an anti-pandemic network that will help avert future pandemics. The great thing about going through something like this, if there is some positivity, is that it usually teaches us new and better ways of doing things. Let's bring in Matthew Miller, Senior Infectious Disease Researcher at McMaster University. Professor Miller, thanks for the time. Hope you're doing well. Thank you very much for having me. Hope you're well also. So how has, and we've talked about this on the show many times, every industry, every person, it seems in some way this has changed uh, the way we do things. How has this pandemic changed the way we do research, we, we develop vaccines, medications, and the way you all work together? How, what's it like post-COVID-19 pandemic? Well, I think the you know unusual urgency um, that pandemics require in terms of responses really force institutions to to do research in a very different way. And I think probably one of the most important lessons that we've learned during the COVID pandemic is that solutions to the pandemic really require a breadth of expertise and real multidisciplinary approaches. Um, You know, doctors and medical scientists can you know, be parts of the solution to doing things like developing new vaccines or antivirals. But there are tremendous other facets that require expertise from a a large swath of disciplines, engineering, for example, to help with, um, you know, solutions around PPE and economic uh, advisors who can understand the implications of, of things like restrictions and lockdowns. So, Uh, I think it's really forced us to think differently about the way we cross-connect among experts to help solve uh, these really important global challenges. So tell everybody what you're creating, and it sounds like you're you're basically breaking down silos, to use an old uh, phrase. Yeah, exactly. And and not only, I think really importantly, what's unique about um, this center is, is that the silos we're trying to break down extend beyond academia. Um, You know, there there are reasonably um, easy ways to break down silos within an academic institution. But one of the the things that we've learned during this pandemic is that solving these challenges also requires a lot of cooperation between different types of institutions. So universities need to be working closely with officials in public health who need to be working closely with officials in government. Um, and, and all of these people need to be working closely with people in industry as well. And so um, the idea for this is basically to serve as a, as a nexus or meeting point for all of these different sectors to come together and work together to find solutions to these problems. Many have said that we will not go back to any sense of normalcy till a vaccine is available and being distributed. That being said, can you put life on hold like this for a year and go back to the way it was? Will it not be different anyway? I think even after uh, a vaccine is developed, um, you know, life life will definitely not go back to the way it was before. And in the same way that, um, you know, in the securities sector, people talk about sort of the pre-9-11 and post-9-11 era, I think it's very likely that 
that we'll see something similar societally and and certainly in in medicine and medical sciences um, where you know we see some real lasting changes in the in the post COVID nineteen era in terms of how we operate as a society. This is about a unifying uh, effort. This is about, as you said, bringing in experts from all different facets. Uh, we've seen in our world over time, as as we become more self-centered, that, that that we're becoming more divisive. Do you think this translates over uh, 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 more industry, uh, more attitude than just when it comes to research and development in science? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously there has been a global rise in um, sort of, you know, populist ideologies, which which tend to be very divisive. And so I, I think that, that inevitably, because those things happen at, at sort of high levels of government and society, they can trickle down into uh, our, you know, academic institutions and the way that industry and governments function. And so uh, this initiative is, is really about being forward thinking to, to battle against that and reinforce the importance of uh, people from, from all walks of life and all, all sort of ranges of expertise uh, working together to, uh, to solve these, these major global issues. Has this pandemic taught us to be more collaborative? Has it taught us to unite? That we're Definitely, better. That we're better when we put our minds together. Absolutely, I think that the evidence for that is in in just how rapid the response has been. We've seen really, you know, unparalleled openness in the in the scientific and and medical communities. We've seen a lot of collaboration between uh, industry and academia, which which doesn't happen at nearly um, the same rate in normal times. Um, and, and of course, lots of intersection between academia and government with, with, you know, sort of both arms trying to, to help the other, um, move things forward as quickly as possible. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that, you know, humans are often, you know, society in general, I guess, is often, you know, shows their, their best in, in the face of adversity. And in some ways, uh, this adversity has, has, forced our hand and uh, caused us to be more collaborative by necessity. Many have uh, are concerned about a second wave, um, probably less now than at the beginning or the middle of the, this pandemic. We weren't sure if it was going to be more severe. Uh, now they're they're saying that perhaps more, more pockets and in, in, in your efforts can be more centralized to 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 adapt to this. Are we better prepared if this happens again? Are we better prepared if the second wave is more severe than the first? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I think a lot of the um, the kinks have been ironed out that caused us to really struggle during the initial phases of the pandemic. So things like uh, limited testing capacity really um, put pressure on our efforts to be able to do things like contact trace and and sort of maintain small pockets and put out small fires. Um, shortages of, of um, medical equipment and things like masks also created major challenges. Um, I think that, you know, broadly speaking, that um, 
in Canada, we've had a lot of, of really positive buy-in in um, the masking regulations that have been put in place in many municipalities. And I think that's going to be really helpful going forward. Um, I think most people have sort of found that, you know, this is a very minor inconvenience given the potentially, you know, huge benefits um, that that masking has in terms of, you know, maintaining lower rates of, of transmission and spread and allowing us to live more normal lives. Um, uh, yeah, so, so I think that there is good hope that, uh, you know, as we face new challenges in the fall and winter months when things get colder, that, that we'll be able to be better poised and, and have a much more uh, targeted response that, that limits numbers from climbing the way they did during the first wave. Obviously, this is a little off uh, topic for you, but any advice for parents heading and their kids are heading back to school and obviously the anxiety that uh, lots are feeling now? Yeah, I mean, th- this uncertainty is... Uh, you know, naturally anxiety and inducing. And so I think the the first thing to say is that parents, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't feel bad about being anxious. You know, everybody wants the best, especially when, when it comes to children. Um, I think that uh, the good news, of course, with this pandemic is that by and large, children themselves um, tend not to experience very severe infection. And I think that is, um, reassuring in many ways. Obviously, though, of course, there 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 will be children who experience severe infection. We want to invo- avoid that at at all costs. And certainly, if children are infected, they may also be able to transmit the virus. So, I think I think that um, you know, parents and schools just need to stay vigilant. Um, you know, keep doing all of these things that, that public health is encouraging us to do, keep our social circles small, and that will, you know, play a really important role in ensuring that rates stay low, and the lower rates are the, the much lower the likelihood of there being outbreaks in school settings are as well. Professor Matthew Miller has been with us, Senior Infectious Disease Researcher at McMaster University. Matthew, thanks so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Thank you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.